What's up, y'all? My name is Jake. And my name is Carl. Hey. You're listening to Do You Even Lift Bro? Men hey. Exercising Social Justice. Thank you so much for tuning in. We deeply appreciate That's it. My thing. Today, we're going to talk about the black pill and incels. We have a guest. That's you. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. the co-host now. Uh, welcome back, Jake. Thank you all for having me. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Before we get started, let's do some enchantment check-ins. Peter, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing good. Just had a one-on-one with my boss. Went really well. Excited for this semester. I have kind of like a second wind now, and I'm excited to tackle this issue. And I'm super excited for this episode. I've been looking forward to it for a really long time, and I've been doing a lot of work for it. And I'm super excited to talk to Jake about it and for him to be back in the studio. I'm doing pretty well. Um, It's really great to be back in the studio today. This feels a little surreal, to be honest. Um. I feel like it was just yesterday I was kind of walking out of here. Uh, we did our final episode, which was also on incels. Sorry, incel. So that was really cool. And being a professional on campus is fascinating now. No longer being a student. It's a lot to kind of process. And- <laughs> um, Pierce coughs aside. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm doing great. One thing I will say, our office has a system of serving survivors who walk in, and I'm currently the next one in line that'd be on call, so I might just stuck out of here, but that's okay, because today, like Peter said before, he did a lot of research on this, and him and Jake have connected to kind of construct this episode, so I may be taking a backseat here and letting them fly. I might come in every so often with questions about, like, what do you mean by this? So I will be the audience member today, which I'm actually really excited about. And so, what do we need to know about the black pill and incels? Yeah, so if you all refer back to... Um, my final episode, we talked about um, incels. We talked a lot about the connection to violence that that group has, as well as the the red pill. Those groups are both men's rights activist groups, and they circulate really well in their regard through social media, um, mostly through Reddit. Their focus is on basically shifting all what we would call socialized masculinities and blaming everything really else on women and trans folks and anyone that doesn't identify as a cis uh, man or even mostly cis white men. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important and to think about in that regard. And then as well, during that last podcast, um, we also talked a little bit about rejection rage and how those groups really form well with that. Not saying well as in they're doing anything good. It's more of <laughs> that's kind of where their positions lie is everything is about women in the terms of it's their fault. It's nothing's wrong with me. There's nothing I need to do to to really do anything. And so this kind of relates a little bit back to Black Pill in some other ways. Do you want to help me out with the types of incels? Yeah, we're going to talk about Red Pill in just a little bit. And Jake's going to give us the info on that. But uh, just to kind of talk about the types of incel. So there is the incel, which stands for involuntary celibate. We're going to talk about how sex equals happiness in this mindset. But these are people that are virgins and or they're they construct this idea of virginity and they haven't had sex. And once you do have sex, you are no longer an incel. This kind of goes in between with like this idea that you'll be alone forever and it's everyone's fault. It's society's fault that you're going to be alone forever. So that's the incel. And the other level is the normie, which this this is still kind of like within the red pill theory. But it's an idea of like, you're not definitely an incel, but you'll end up in a sexless and manipulative marriage or relationship. And so it kind of goes along with this idea that we're all normies compared to the incels. And since we don't subscribe to this theory, then we don't understand the idea of the woman or (laughs) this idea that women are innately manipulative. And we're going to go into that a little bit further in. But another word for normie is a cuck which is somebody who does get married and have 
quote unquote, women control their entire lives. And there's a third level called the alpha or the Chad. And if you refer back to the last episode, Jake and Carl talked about Chads. But to just to recap a little bit, a Chad is like the conventional model of attractive man. This means that you have a lot of sex, which means you achieve happiness. And this is kind of the main antagonist of the incel community besides women. Yeah, and I think <laughs> just listening to you two talk about this, it sounds ridiculous. Like it sounds like we're making it up to demonize a certain group of men. And I just want to put out there like it's there. It's out in public and you can easily like look at and read this rhetoric from those groups. And so do take the time to kind of. Well, I mean, with regard to your own safety, read some of the stuff that they're talking about, because it is not like a ridiculous thing that we're recapping here. Um, I think the other thing that's coming up for me is like a reminder that it's easy to point and laugh at these dudes in ways that feel arrogant to us, I think. And so we're going to try to keep connecting into the community in ways because these types of communities can only be built off a foundation of masculinity that values sex, power, money over a lot uh, over humanity in a lot of ways. And so keeping in mind that this is a window into the things that spawns out of traditional notions of masculinity. Yeah. And kind of going along with that, when you might first hear these terms and if you might first hear about incels and stuff, my first tendency was to laugh it off Mm -hmm. because it does sound so ridiculous ridiculous and hilarious. But what we're going to be talking about today is that this is directly connected to violence, this mindset. So, you know, you can't have your goofs and gaffes, I guess, but also just take into account that these are serious issues. We're going to be talking about them seriously, even though they are so absurd. I think also to mention too, along that way, along the way, we're I think we're going to validate the men a little bit in the ways of go- mm. seeing where they're coming from, yep. not their behaviors right. and what they say. But I think there is some, a lot of these, um, a lot of socialized behaviors that we've exhibited as men looking at it in a different lens. Sure. So I think to name that as well. So we're not just going to be making fun of these folks. For sure. So Jake, uh, tell me a little bit more about the red pill. Yeah, red pill. Um, this group of men really focus on the idea that you are ugly and you will not achieve. We we're talking about in terms of sex and love and happiness in a heterosexual context. They say like women are inherently manipulative and they have all the power in our society, which is never true. Um, <laughs> and they're just kind of have these like these underlying understandings of that women are just there for sex and pleasure. And there's no kind of humanity around that. And only 20 percent of men um, attract women, apparently. So wait, based on what do you know? Based on just what they've like so many different Reddit posts I've seen, as well as okay, just this- some figures that they've come up with. Are they just probably random back. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and so it's basically understanding like feminism gives women all the power too. So they're kind of a, in a oh, direct, basically a direct opposite of what we aspire to be in terms of doing uh, feminist frameworks and social justice. So definitely. Do you want to talk a little bit about blue pill, Peter? Yes. There's not just one pill. There are multiple. <laughs> inclusive. Which was fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> there's different shades of pills. Um, so advanced. So let's talk. Yeah, (laughs) let's talk about the blue pill. What's interesting about this red pill, blue pill theory is if it sounds familiar to you, it should. If you've ever seen The Matrix, because that's where it comes from. The idea of red pill comes from Neo waking up to see how ugly the world really is. And they subscribe themselves as the Neos of the world. They're like waking up to realize that we're in a like women based society and feminism is bad and sex equals happiness. The blue pill theory is kind of along the lines of still like women suck, blah, blah, blah. But there's hope to it, meaning that you can improve yourself as a man and you can change your attitude and you can work on your character to become more attractive, i.e. 
workable, like through self-confidence and working out and through like all those things, maybe females will be interested to you. There's a term that they, they don't use females and they don't use women. They use this term called femoids. So interesting. (laughs) Before I get more into this, I just want to shout out this YouTube channel called ContraPoints. She has an amazing video on incels and a lot of my research was based off of that video and me doing my own research on the forums, but she's really awesome. Go check it out. So blue pill, there's hope women still suck. But what we're going to get into today and what is the focus of this episode is the black pill. Why would we focus on black pill over anything else? Because it's dark and it directly connects to violence. And so when we talk about red pill, blue pill, maroon pill is what I've heard sometimes. This black pill theory is the one that I am most terrified of. So the black pill theory is sexual market value is genetic. So you are either attractive or you aren't attractive and you can't change that. So if you aren't attractive by genetics, you will never have sex or have a relationship Meaning happiness is impossible, meaning your only option is to LDAR, which stands for lay down and rot. And so there's no improvement. There's no hope to it. You'll never have a relationship. You'll never achieve happiness. So your only option is to basically just lay down and rot. I think what that uh, description highlights for me is all the times that I hear from men like ascribing to genetics as something that's unchangeable. Right. So mm-hmm. there's so many arguments out there of like men were are supposed to be hunters and like they're biologically stronger and yeah. all those kind of things. Like hearing how some men will basically give up based on something that they feel like they can't control seems like a really easy path to go down to just completely avoid accountability for literally anything. Correct. And this idea also connects to a lot of depression. We talk a lot about support groups for men and how important it is for men to support men in healthy ways. This is the complete opposite. This is supporting men in probably the most unhealthy way. And we'll talk about how there's a lot of suicide within these schools of thought and how there's not much support doing that. Like I've seen a lot of posts where it's just like, I'm going to kill myself tonight. And there are a lot of people who will comment on that. It was like, yeah, I feel the same way. Not like, don't do it. It's more of like, yeah, you should do it because that's your only option. Black pill. If there's no way to achieve happiness, your only option is to either A, kill yourself, B, lay down and rot and live a miserable life, or C, get revenge. It's dark. I think this connects a lot to rejection rage. Jake, you talked a lot about rejection rage on the first incel podcast. So what do you think about this? Yeah, I think especially for men, and I would say white cis hetero men in this context, also from my point of view, is that we just have socialized to have that entitlement. You're owed sex, you're owed a date, you're owed a job, anything. You're owed being paid attention to, like you're owed a a conversation, you're owed having a drink with someone. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think the fact that we've been socialized with that is very toxic in itself. And then also basically kind of unpacking that has been a process for me. And I think seeing that go to a whole different level, for example, when we we talked about Elliot Roger being the misogynistic killer or quote unquote incels hero, Mm -hmm. that was the whole extent of basically rejection rage. I even remember this week asking out a person that identifies as a woman to see if they would like to grab lunch. And they said, no, I hope you understand. And I was like, I understand perfectly. Thank you. And they they didn't even owe me the explanation to say, I don't want to do that. Right. Yeah. And so she took that vulnerable step and said, hey, I'm not interested. 
And I think a lot of these men find this way of thinking that asking for what they quote unquote want or are entitled or quote unquote entitled to have. I think that for them, that's a vulnerable act in itself. Well, it can be right. Like, mm-hmm. I think it is vulnerable to ask someone that you might have a crush on to like do something with you and being right. rejected sucks. Right. Yeah. So what I think about when I hear the phrase rejection rage, I'm like, what are you being rejected from? Like if the, and it mirrors how much rage you feel from that. And so what are men being told to the degree of like, I deserve this so much that you say no, literally makes me feel a rage that maybe they don't even understand. Mm -hmm. I have played long fantasies in my head about what could potentially happen with someone if I asked them out. Yeah. Right. And I've played that over and over again to the point where I'm like, she must like me. Mm -hmm. I can, I mean, I understand that feeling. I don't know what the difference is between me not feeling rejection rage, but turning it internally being like, damn it, that sucked. And I don't really want to do that again. What more can I do? Versus like, I can't change anything. And I think I just deserve to die. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what that step is and how, how how other men came to that conclusion. But I do understand that it's vulnerable to ask someone out and it being hard to be rejected. What I don't understand is to the degree in which you feel entitled enough to get a yes to feel actual rage from being rejected. I think it's a huge defense mechanism because like some people when they get rejected... I've heard this a lot like, oh, they're probably just a lesbian or like they're probably not interested in men because how could they reject me? That's insane. Jesus. That's nuts. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I think because it is so vulnerable and because I think, you know, we as men, we've all been rejected. I've been rejected hella. But, you know, it's just something that you got to deal with. I'm sorry, Peter. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) I moved on. I have a wonderful partner. We're all good. But this idea that you are putting yourself out there and you are revealing a part of yourself that is to me at least very precious and very fragile too and when somebody says no to that there's some pain involved and there's some like oh that didn't work out like I wanted it to and I think that's also my whiteness getting involved where the process didn't work so the process is still valid however the person I'm enacting that process is is wrong it's definitely defense mechanism where it's like okay, I could either take this time to do some self-reflection, which is often painful for a lot of people because there's a lot of research that shows that once you realize that you're wrong or something doesn't work out, it is physically and mentally painful. And so what we need to understand is that, and we're going to talk about this, is how much pain is there and is it enough to validate these types of philosophies spoiler alert no but (laughs) (laughs) and i think sitting with that vulnerability i think not trying to sympathize too much with these these men but i think thinking about that they took that step to be vulnerable and i think the fact that that rejection that no sits with that pain right and has that vulnerability i think they're so uncomfortable with that that it's just invoking a lot of other different emotions where to to the point where they do more violence and harm to either themselves or someone else. Yeah. And I think not being taught the skills to deal with discomfort as young boys, like, you know, man up, tamp it down. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so I think there's such a deep connection here in terms of young men and boys being told that vulnerability is dangerous, basically, or you react to it with anger feeds into so much of the rhetoric here in terms of not having the skills to deal with vulnerability and rejection leads to the one emotion that we're allowed to have, which is anger. And so, I mean, there's such a deep connection to me. Like, I will always advocate that the solution to men's violence against everyone is men needing to be and feel and practice vulnerability. And this, I think this just continues to highlight how 
right. I think I am. I'm not in the business of wanting to be right. You'll never hear me say like I'm right about stuff. Yeah. This time I'm pretty confident that I'm right. Yeah. And what's interesting is that Jake, you said that you didn't want to sympathize with them, but I don't think we're even sympathizing with them because they don't even have the self-confidence to ask people out. When we talk about rejection rage, we aren't talking about them actually going up to people and asking them out. What we're talking about is them being so scared and subscribing to this theory so hard that they know in their mind that they will get rejected. I've been on these forums a lot and a lot of people have been like giving stories about how they have been rejected by partners, but most of them are just too scared to do it or they're too like set in their ways to even entertain the idea of them having a partner. Okay, so they're convinced Mm. that they're going to get rejected anyway, so why bother? Yeah. And that's how the black pill comes into theory Hmm. is like, I know that I'm going to get rejected even if I haven't tried it. And even if I haven't, because, okay, there's like 7 billion people in the world and half of them or more than half of them identify as women. And so there's got to be someone that's going to deal with your bullshit. But however, maybe, maybe. but if they don't subscribe to to this theory, then like they they just cut themselves out of the conversation kind of. Right. Mm, Okay. Going back to our dating episode, we talked about the imbalance of consequence in the dating scene. And we talked about how the men's consequence of rejection rage is painful and it's a short sting. Jake, do you want to talk about this? Because you kind of mentioned this. So yeah, I kind (laughs) of dug through this a little bit. I think the lack of instant consequence in terms of dating, in terms of kind of doing that for, I would say, men is fascinating. Like the worst thing that that a woman says to them is no, they wouldn't get killed or Mm -hmm. the worst thing a woman can receive in terms of that is getting killed, right? Or just being hurt or harmed in any way. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's that going back to that, those thoughts of like emotional pain and translating to the pain on like these men are translating all this pain onto themselves instead of having it be this quick emotional sting. It's translating from pain to suffering. Yeah. And so I think it's really quite fascinating to see this suffering come alive in these posts that I saw as well as what Peter talked about and dug through. I think there's a healthy and unhealthy way to deal with the idea of rejection, right? Because right. red pill theory is like, you're going to get rejected. So like, stop feeling bad about being rejected. That's like, for me, an unhealthy way of dealing with no's. It's like, continue to remove feeling from your body mm-hmm. right. until you get laid. Versus like, I think the times where I was rejected, I would go, oh, Like I interpreted something different or wrong or I wasn't clear about my intentions or whatever. Right. Like if they were willing, like I've I've asked women before, like, oh, like, sorry, did I misread stuff? Um, And we had a pretty healthy conversation around that. And then I just I carry those types of conversations into future interactions. Right. Like there should be a constant sense of at least improving in a social behavior, interact with human beings type of way that I feel like this particular group of men miss out on. Or I don't know, it might be self-sabotage either. Like I don't want to pseudo psychoanalyze these dudes, but it feels to me like I, I, I miss the connection, I think, sometimes between how men are socialized to get to the point where there's no hope. I don't know. I just, cause, cause part of socialized uh, being socialized as men is like confidence, but I guess, yeah, I'm going down a rabbit hole. I'm just going to stop. Yeah. Okay. And that's a big thing. I think you mentioned a lot is the healthy thing is to incorporate both parties in the rejection process 
or the acceptance process? Because you talked to these potential partners or whoever you like asked out and you said, oh, did I misread things? And you talked it out. And that's really healthy. What they do is they don't even include the other party in the rejection process. They they don't think that because, you know, there's a multitude of reasons why somebody might reject somebody else. It's not solely based on their looks, but it's it's solely based on how they feel and how rejection makes them feel. And we talk about this binary. And I think that really does connect to white supremacy and this white idea of like there is a binary to rejection. It's either yes or no. And I think that completely cuts out the other party because, you know, I've had a lot of people I've been rejected because they're like, I don't really want to be in a relationship right now. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That's a reason. First off, didn't have to give it to me, but thank you for it. I think some men are also quick to go to like, you're lying. You know what I mean? Like there has to be a different thing. Like it's not that you don't feel like you want to date right now. It's me. Like you would totally date this chat over here yeah. if they asked, but it's, it's gotta be me. That's the problem. So f- you, I think is the reaction sometimes. Yes. And it's not like they don't say, oh, it's me as a problem. It's the whole system that's the problem. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. And so it's this idea of like, there has to be another reason, but also this whole system is rigged against me because I've only felt rejection. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's fascinating to go back to understanding the system, right? Mm-hmm. And these men are very directly against the system, but they won't, which is like kind of aligns to some like kind of like theories in terms of like feminist framework, right? Is that we want to kind of deconstruct things. We want to break things down and it's, they're blaming what's wrong with it, but then continuing to sit in the system. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's, what's so interesting is that there's no solution to them Mm. and Mm. there's no overarching, we, um, in the next episode, we're going to talk about MGTOWs and how they do have solutions. Um, spoiler alert. But in this incel theory, there's no really solution. Hmm. There's no like way to subvert the system. There's no way to create your own type of system. The only two options is to lay down and rot or three options. Lay down and rot, kill yourself or kill others or commit violence against other people. And yeah. that's the thing. They don't have an overarching goal. Like within our office, we do have an overarching goal and it is pretty concrete. And that's what the purpose of this podcast is. What's interesting is that they come up with this philosophy. But there's no solution. Huh. And it's all centering around some kind of harm. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think going back to even just our foundation episode, which is like now feels like a million light years away, mm-hmm. is that masculinity is a, like hyper masculinity and traditional masculinity is socialized in that way to for men to harm themselves as well as others. Um, and so during this kind of planning process, Peter and I talked about homophobia and harm and how do that how does that look in these communities as well as in this, our kind of society? Um, do you kind of want to unpack that with me? Yeah, this whole theory is based off of heterosexual relationships and how women or people with vaginas do not give sex to these men, and so. Jake and I were talking about it and it's like, how is homophobia tied to this? Because there is a lot of homophobia. But here's the thing. They kind of idealize the specifically white gay man because they think that they have it all figured out, meaning they don't have to deal with women. They have this type of jealousy towards them because they don't they aren't attracted to women, which is like this huge thing in the incel community is like, I hate being attracted to women because like they're all words that I don't really want to say. And I'm tired of saying (laughs) and what's interesting is that incels subscribe to this belief of masculinity. It's not just because they hate women. It's because they hate the idea of femininity and gay men are not categorized as men with masculinity. Yeah. And like within that. Like 
talking about gay men as kind of non-existent in the world of masculinity that's really important to talk about in terms of understanding uh, hypermasculinity in itself because hypermasculinity and homophobia live so well together mm -hmm. um, in, in those regards because it's always men looking at, at over other men and making sure that the other man that you're observing, so to speak, or group of men you're observing are not gay, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of going back to that. And when we talk about gay men, it's usually gay is first, right? Instead of man. And understanding that kind of socialized context is fascinating in itself. I remember this one post where... Don't turn. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> there was this one post where the solution to this one guy was just to turn gay. And so he found somebody who identified as a man, but was also gay. And this person was more on the femme side than on the masculine side. And so he was like, oh, I can just kind of like trick myself into thinking that they're a woman and be sexually attracted to them. But then he, he talked about how this man who subscribed to this specific style of femininity treated him like his demonized version of a woman. So we talk a little bit about how these people believe that women are innately manipulative and narcissistic and hateful and powerful, but it's not just women. It's just this idea of if you are feminine, then you are innately manipulative and narcissistic and all those things. So it's even it's even broader. And then this is how they discredit trans folks. This is how they discredit people who are non-binary because whatever is not masculine is evil. There's nothing new, I think, for hetero men or people, men who identify as hetero most of their lives to like experiment. Like that's not a new thing. Yeah. But to hear how insidiously it was sucked up into black pill philosophy or the demonization of femininity as it continues to maintain dominance in terms of traditional masculinities, it, it sucks. Like that could have been a really great experience for him. You know, like yeah. it could have released him from a lot of pain, it sounds like. So I don't know. It just... Again, trying not to totally empathize or sympathize, but that just kind of sucks. Yeah, it, it's, it's it's dark and it's interesting to look at this theory. But I do plead if you are listening, take breaks with this episode because this has really kind of weighed on my emotional state a lot. Just thinking about people like this thinking this way. And um, yeah, so, you know, women hate you, i.e. incels think this. So women hate us as men, specifically white straight men. So what should we do and how do we support each other? So what does support look like in these groups? I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> it looks very different compared to what we would call support, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's just, it's not really related to any kind of feelings or emotions. It's more of anything kind of negative, like we said earlier during this podcast of um, some men voice that they would kill themselves. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of their support is more of like, oh, I relate. I'm going to probably do that too. Or I feel the same way. I don't feel like there's, I feel empty. Right. I think they're taking kind of that, what you would call that first step of like, oh yeah, you can relate in a little bit, but yeah. not backing it up with anything yeah. that we would show as supporting. And I would say at least some kind of positive reinforcement. And so I think it's fascinating in the sense of like these groups really want to have a community, but at the same, they don't. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause they could care less if someone killed themselves. And there's kind of, again, that there's that no weight, there's no weight to that. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there thinking, what would it be like to type in kill yourself for the first time yeah. in this group? And then what is it like to type in kill yourself the 60th, the hundredth time, mm -hmm. kill yourself? What does that do to your emotions? What does that do your, to your basically like 
any form of <laughs> in, um, emotional intelligence. Like, I don't know if I could live with myself saying to someone, kill yourself. Like, that is just beyond. It's just inhuman. mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah, it's inhuman. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's that lack of just any kind of empathy or even really sympathy. And I think it's a really important quality just to really know is that these groups could, they don't have any form of care besides either caring for themselves in very toxic ways. So is killing yourself constructed as a manly act? Like, is it a, is it a sense of pride in the Blackpool community at all? Yes. And well, killing yourself is not prideful in itself, but within this community, if you take down others with you, and that is oh. what a hero's act mm-hmm. would be. So just I hope like, we didn't jump ahead then. Kelly like, Rogers. The way in which folks, dudes in the black pill escape is in the most manly way to be quote unquote, reclaim their masculinity, which is bullshit is to kill people and then kill yourself. Yeah. Sweet. And there's this quote off of a uh, incel forum. There was this man, I'm sure y'all know about him, uh, Alec Manassian. I hope, I, I don't care if I say that Sadly, right. Sadly, I know who that is. But he was the guy who did the Toronto attacks with the truck and he drove it into a group of people and who killed 10 people along with himself. And so this quote says... This is literally what I asked for. Finally, somebody breaking the mold. Next up, how about a guy who breaks into a condom vending machine at night, pokes holes in all the condoms and closes the machine? I would love to see the end result of that. Pure life fuel. So many normie males will get trapped in unwanted lives. ER doesn't always have to be violent. And that's, I'm not quite sure what ER stands for, but it's kind of like this idea of disruption or like the um, incel rebellion. Um, So doesn't always have to be violent. It just needs to be strategic and punish normies in some way. They need to be in a constant fear for every aspect of their life. Killing normies from my perspective is kind of pointless, but this is still good. I prefer acid attacks to mass killings, though. Wonder who is doing who's going to do a mass acid attack. He will have zero kills to his high score, but in my book, he'd have beaten all the high scores by virtue of lives ruined and black pills forced down people's throats. So this is extreme. And I bring this up not to just bring up the extreme side and point at it and make sure that people are aware of it, but this is the idea. This is what people believe. And this idea of this high score and your body count as an incel and to, for this revolution to happen. Jesus. I wish we had like an advertisement to break up this. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Yo, sponsorships. Boats, boats, boats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So take a break if you need to. Wacky inflatable arm, man. <laughs> Where we, what do we need to get to? So support groups. So if you don't necessarily want to kill yourself and you don't want to kill other people, what do you do to get by? And these are called copes. We would call them as self-improvement improvement and self-care, but they call them copes. So these include hobbies, distracting yourself from problems, and... There's a big difference between copes and self-improvement because copes have nothing to do with self-improvement. It's just you distracting from yourself, never being happy and never having sex. Just based on what we talked about in terms of copes, I think it's this way of, I think for them, I ask, kind of ask myself, what, does, what do we mean by coping? What are they coping with? Mm-hmm. And I think they're coping with this quote unquote oppression of invisible trauma that they've faced based mm-hmm. on what has happened in their lives, right? And so, well, and it goes back to this thing of like the white dude standing up and going, I'm, I'm oppressed. 
that nonsense. <laughs> One, Jesus Christ. Right. Sit down. <laughs> I think separating oppression here from trauma, though, because like there might be unprocessed trauma for some of the many of these dudes. Potentially. Yeah, that's true. Who knows, right? Like, but the concept of oppression is doesn't necessarily exist for at least cis hetero middle class white men in the way that I think that they want it. But mm-hmm. I do think it's imp- like so I found myself at this point saying like, what's, what are we doing here? Like, what's the point? I do think this cope section is really important to listen to because if you see men displaying these types of behaviors or using this type of language, that should be a red flag for you to be like, oh, shit, maybe I should talk to this person or ask about the things that they're being involved in. Part of the work here for us as men is to pull men out of these forms and out into a world that like has sunlight and vitamin D and some level of joy and grass. Right. So mm-hmm. I do think going through this particular section has reignited for me, like what it is and why it is that we're talking about this. Yeah. The first instinct that I had was just to laugh it off and ignore it. But if you do see someone like Carl said, expressing these terms, because it has a very set kind of terminology for everything. So if you do see someone saying cope or something like that, and if you do see see them expressing red pill behaviors, yeah. actually create a support group for them, actually talk to them and show them that there is light at the end of the tunnel and you don't have to just lay down and rot. There is happiness to be had even if you don't have sex because sex isn't happiness. Which could take years. Like I think I've expressed before, I spent 20 plus years of my life not critically analyzing the ways in which I act and behave as a dude or the messages that I get about what it means to be a dude. And so it's probably going to take just as long, if not more, to undo all of that socialization, right? Mm -hmm. I'm 33. I'm like 10 years into a 22, potentially 22, 25 year year process. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And again, we're still being socialized as men today. Like, I think it's important to say, like, we're still doing an uphill battle. So someone who is in deep with red pill, blue pill, maroon pill, black pill, whatever, and you still care about them, remember, it's it's not going to happen overnight. Um, it could, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure it can, but it's just going to take a long time, I think, a lot of work and a lot of patience on your end to at least put them on a path so they can take care of themselves a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a dude, do that. Because us as dudes, it is our responsibility to support other dudes and take away the um, emotional baggage from women, specifically women of color. So, you know, do your part and help these people out because they do need help, obviously. Yeah. With Within that, and then also going back to the trope, the copes, right? I feel like when they form it even this way of saying copes, it's always this self-loathing, self-destruction, mm-hmm. or a distraction from that, but only very temporary, right? And so there's no, like, again, no self-improvement, so no kind of form of what we call self-care, right? Were mm-hmm. there kind of any examples that you dug out that you would like to share, Peter? Video games. Yay. A lot of these okay. guys identify themselves <laughs> as gamers. And so video games is a big part. And what's interesting about video games is I love video games. I play them all the time. Same. Yeah. And but what's interesting about video games, and I'm sure y'all can attest to it, is that you can get sucked into this world. And there are times when I play video games for hours on end and I don't see the sunlight. (laughs) And that's kind of what these incels do is that they just play video games on the weekends and they don't go out. They don't socialize. They're just in their rooms all the time. They don't get to see the world. They don't get to see more perspectives than their own. A lot of these copes are like hobbies, very like kind of minimalist hobbies. Which on their own aren't problematic. Of course. Yeah. Like if Uh, you play video games, you're fine. But right. Addiction is one thing. Video games is I don't think I don't think is inherently dangerous in a lot of ways. But when you start combining it with the rhetoric, these dudes spend time in with the hours of gameplay that depict thousands and thousands of deaths assuming they're playing something violent. But 
I think the combination of those two things, we continue to see this pattern of dehumanization, not just to other people, but to themselves to the point where they can commit mass murders and suicide. I don't know. It's just, it's scary. And I think that's part of the reason why we need to talk about it. We need to bring darkness into the light in order for us to really address the issues that we see with masculinity today. And have, have y'all ever been in a land party? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yes, okay. Of course. So I think y'all understand my friend, I go to my friend's house sometimes And it's kind of just like land party central all the time. Everyone's playing video games. And um, this is like the CSU CSGO team. Just whenever I'm in that house, we'll be watching a movie. And from like a couple rooms down, I'll just hear, are you kidding me? Or like, (laughs) it's just men screaming all the time (laughs) at these video games. Okay. Okay. And I think it's this idea of masculinity. I will be honest. I'm not good at video games, which means I get pissed a lot of the time when I play video games. Mm. I was playing uh, Titanfall last night and I'm usually like pretty good at that game, but I just was not getting in the groove and I was getting killed over and over again. And I was like getting pissed. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like what? And I think that anger of rejection of getting your kill streak is directly connected to the anger that they feel about being Mm. rejected in real life and i guess going back to i guess rejection as well as those copes right um i think what we talked about peter and i talked about pornography and masturbation um which i think in a way like yes masturbation is actually a form of self-care if you're doing it in the in the ways that you find helpful for you right Mm -hmm. and that can include a lot of different things around that but i think the important thing is to emphasize what red pill and black pill especially think of masturbation and pornography mm-hmm. um, and for red pill they don't uh, believe in masturbation they think it's not a good thing to do if you ever have seen on social media or just on the internet no fap that's what they subscribe to do um, also no pornography as well um, they either want to they say wait for the right person quote unquote or also it's um, an act of vulnerability as well as it's um, a lonely. It's also going back to uh, pornography and loneliness. And so they say don't do pornography. Okay, so um, Red Pill subscribes to no, no porn because it also promotes loneliness? Loneliness as well as you give power to women to to, oh, okay. <laughs> to like base what they're saying. They give power to women because you're seeing any kind of form of content that includes a woman. That. I mean, they almost sold me on the no, no porn thing. <laughs> See, like I was at that point. I was like, you made, a, you made a valid point. And then you go, oh, no. Okay, never mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and with the black pill theory, it is more based on hating being attracted to women. Because huh. a lot of these black pill theories, a lot of these black pillars, they hate. And I mean, innately, deeply hate that they are attracted to women and that they cannot change their sexuality. So pornography and masturbation is like what Jake said giving your power to a woman virtually to please you. And so we've we, like, Jake, you've talked about pornography and the power dynamics within it. And Carl, we've talked about how pornography creates this kind of toxic environment for how men think of women. And it's interesting to have that same mindset of power dynamics and like hating women, but in a different way, different way of like, I hate pornography, not because it's misogynistic, not because there's a lot of violence towards women in it, but because I don't want to give sex workers my money. I don't want to give them views. I don't want to like give them more power within our society. And there has to be some level of envy and jealousy for the male porn actors to be able to beat the shit out of women in porn videos. Like I'm, I'm guessing there's some more like un. I mean, there's always going to be more. 
right. and there's a group that's unable to get in touch with their own feelings and understanding of themselves. But this sucks. Like I don't I don't know if I'm a no porn advocate necessarily, but to to hear this group come so close, yeah, so far, yeah, uh, kind of blows. Yeah, it, and well, it's it blows probably sucks. Doesn't even, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's bad. Kinda, it's, it's bad. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that goes to. The next kind of point we're going to talk about, too, is you know, like important is like racialized as well. But also in these groups, they're racialized. Do you want to mm-hmm. talk about most of those incel groups that are racialized or basically all of them at this point? Oh, get, strap in because I'm going to say some. Shit. I'm not going to be proud of it. And I hate how they label it. OK, so there are. Are we, are we doing this in the interest of intersectionality? Like, what are we doing? We're doing Just this because it, it does connect to white supremacy. OK, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So. <sighs> <laughs> go, Peter, go racialized incels incels aren't just white men it's the majority but it's not just that and so they have made labels for people of different races who are incels and so some of them are black cell and i'm so sorry rice cell and curry cell and it gets worse from there and the subgroups of the incel also have their own chads and i'm not even going to say the names of those chads because it gets so much worse so I went on the forums. My don't turn. My username is Lord Cuck sixty nine. Oh, <laughs> actually buy that. Oh, absolutely. That's insane. And we'll talk about why they bought it in a little <laughs> bit. But I asked about racism and incels, and I was talking about like I've been doing some research, and I noticed there are different racial groups for incels. Do any of you subscribe to these different categories? I feel like racism that especially white women hold for minorities could make someone of color an incel and just kind of trying to find that intersection of incels within it. And I got a really interesting response. And one of them said, every man in the West now risks death whenever he talks to a woman, because if she accuses him of assault, harassment, discrimination, he'll be accused, then imprisoned. It already means social death. And in prison, one can easily die physically. That would not be the safest place. And here's the interesting part. Many ethnic incels are and hypocrites because they want only white women. They could have beta bucked a nice girl of their race in their mother country with probably less cucked laws insofar as the most cucked laws are those of the West. But no, they come here and complain over white Stacy's ignoring them. Mm. So it's this idea of the white Stacy being I, the most desirable. If I had to guess, based on my experience on forums with that talk about like Asian American identity and stuff like that. I'm guessing there's a lot of Asian American identified incels because we have an argument that our racial construction is effeminate as men. And, you know, you see Asian American men in particular at like white supremacy uh, rallies. And I think one of the biggest KKK websites is run by an Asian American man. And so there's a lot of next to whiteness that comes out from Asian American men. So like, I'm Mm -hmm. not saying there's there that black cells don't exist, but I'm guessing there's a quite a significant population of Asian American men who frequent these forums. Yeah. Take it away, white people. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of makes it this this idea of a pure race or a pure Stacy. Okay. Because since this white Stacy is the most desirable, they see the people of color incels as competition for the white Stacy. And oh Jesus, okay. Yeah. And so since this white Stacy is so to their minds rare because mixing races is not good for them and they want a white Stacy, it's like the white Stacy is most desirable, meaning they're the most rare. And it's just this really disgusting form of like incel eugenics of like trying to just date 
these white women and labeling all other women as like not good, not, not good enough. Yeah, for not them. human. Jesus. Wow. Okay. Uh, objectification Sweet. is. And they also subscribe to this theory of colorblind racism, where they treat all incels the same, no matter their intersections of race. From this post, it said every man in the West now risks death. So it's this idea of, well, we're all getting cucked. No matter your race, no matter whatever. I don't see race within the incel community. Um, we're all at the same level of being incel or getting cucked, as you might say. How progressive. <sighs> yeah. So. So do you want to unpack your experience with being an incel? I mean, yeah. I think we, I think you did, but. It's been hard. I've hated it because I've noticed when I was doing research on this forum that I uh, subscribed to is that I saw a lot of accounts being banned because a lot of these people would try and do what I did and subvert and then ask questions about and they would you could obviously tell that they were trying to do that and how you could tell is that they didn't use negative slurs toward women they would call women women not femoids they wouldn't subscribe to this vocabulary so I had to dig deep in order to use words like whore and um and i i i hate using those words but a lot of my posts use those words because i didn't want to get outed and i wanted to get actual legitimate responses from these people and i did and i had to use this language in order to do it and i had to research incels and i had to get in the mindset of an incel and i i mean carl you have a running joke that's like don't turn don't on turn. us <laughs> and i never had like sympathy towards them and I never was like, hmm, maybe I am an incel. But there were aspects of me that would kind of be dissociated from my actual self when talking as an incel. And I don't, it's, don't go down the forums unless you're doing a podcast on incels or you're doing a program about it. You can easily just listen to this podcast or go onto ContraPoint's YouTube channel where she does the same thing. And she has a really, a much better breakdown of how she felt when she was, cause she's a trans woman and she was able to relate to the dating scene as a man and as a woman. So that video is super awesome. Definitely check it out. But I am so excited for this episode to be over. <laughs> I'm sick of it. I'm sick of incels. Thanks for doing that, Peter. And I think the it really helped us out. But hearing you talk about being able to dissociate yourself a little bit to go down the rabbit hole speaks to me about how like some of these forms can be like a drug for some of these men in terms of like being able to say, even if it's just digitally, the words that they maybe never say in act in real life, right? Like mm -hmm. words like the three that you mentioned. So I can imagine that there's some level of a drug-like effect when men find these forums and they're like, finally, people are speaking to my made-up fantasies about who I am, which increases, I think, our challenge in terms of trying to make sure that we keep our ears open for men who use language like this. Mm -hmm. um, I know, again, this, is, this might be an extreme example, but I think it also helps highlight the direct harm that men cause, women in particular, by using words like because that's the only way that you can be in this group of men. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think hearing all of this helps me re-energize around continuing to have the conversation with men about the language that we use as it relates to how we insult each other, because it's part of the part of the path to to like dismantle extreme groups like this that are directly responsible for a lot of violence. Definitely. Okay. So 
What do we do now? <clears throat> what do we do now? What is, what's this all about? Enlighten me. Do you want to take this solve away? The, solve sure. the earth. <laughs> First of all, think about the positive influences in your life in terms of this. And who's this directed to? I would say anyone that's really either empathizing or sympathizing with this podcast, as well as people that identify in these groups and maybe consider kind of leaving them and kind of going on with what you think is the best way for yourself. Because I think these groups focus a lot in kind of this holistic approach of being a whole group instead of having some individual individuality, right? And I think that's really important to have as well as to think for yourself and kind of practice some of those positive influences for yourself. So find someone that's really positive in your life. Again, like we talked about, some people that support you are there, there for you, but it has to be beyond the computer. It has to be beyond this group. It has to be beyond anything that you would think is not going to be helpful for that process. Mm -hmm. And I guess what is also positive for you? Um, And I think that also means like framing, like again, these copes, yes, they can be negative, but also coping mechanisms can be positive. How can we try to do kind of more framing these copes as ways of just taking care of yourself and doing better practices, right? And I think also understanding what's the definition of self-love. There's a lot of self-loathing in these in these groups, yeah. like a ton. That's literally why they're there. And I think it's really important to understand what that means. And I think they're really thinking about this so externally of like, I'm never going to be with this person, never going to have sex, never going to have any of these things of intimacy and vulnerability, which I guess for some of these men equate to happiness, right? But if you're not loving yourself, you'll never have the energy to love someone else. Um, So continue to love yourself, find things that really make you feel good and also understand how to validate yourself. It's not always healthy to have that validation from someone else Mm -hmm. because it might be toxic. It might be, or it might be positive, but only relying on someone to give you that praise, that validation is also not the healthy approach. Thanks for listening to my rant. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good rant. Any concluding thoughts? I'm done. I'm so done. I (laughs) I am... So happy this is over, and I'm so happy that I'm no longer an incel. I mean, I'm never born. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm so glad I don't have to tread the fiery coals of these forums anymore. There you go. Uh, my last thought is um, be good to yourself, and your self-worth is not tied to what you think you're entitled to have. Um, so you're not owed. So everyone take care of themselves and be good to yourself because you deserve it. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. I don't know. No. Am I supposed to? Let's <laughs> not go down that road. Sorry. 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 <laughs> Sorry. And that will do it for this episode of Do You Even Lift, Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for a podcast, please email WGAC at colostate.edu. That's WGAC at C-O-L-O-S-T-A-T-E dot E-D-U. Huge shout out to the partnership between the Women and Gender Advocacy Center and KCSU here at Colorado State University. These are the folks that even allow this podcast to happen. For more content about masculinities, check out meninthemovement.blogspot.com. And for more information about the WGAC, go to wgac.colostate.edu. For more 90.5 KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Music production by Xavier Hadley, a.k.a. Zavley. Check him out at soundcloud.com slash Xavier Hadley. That's X-A-B-I-E-R-H-A-D-L-E-Y. Thanks, everyone. Deuces. Deuces. sniffed <laughs> hang on uh, boogers okay so well okay hold on hold on hold on blow my nose i'm gonna sample that okay whatever dude <laughs> sell it i don't care cool <laughs> i gave up my copyrights to me blowing my nose um